Today's special, What the Hell is Kyrie Doing? Episode of the BS Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor, the easiest way to shop for the best tickets. Thanks to the revolutionary grading system. Saturday morning, my friend Daniel, fellow Red Sox fan, emailed me and said, let's take our sons to the Angels Red Sox game at 6 o'clock at Angel Stadium. We went on SeatGeek. We grabbed tickets behind the first base dugout. They were fantastic. I picked dark green ones because they had the color-coded scheming map. And we went, and we had a magical time, except for the part that the Red Sox got their asses kicked. There were even fireworks after. Fantastic. Uh, my listeners get $10 off baseball tickets the first time they use SeatGeek. Use promo code BSMLB. I, of course... Could not do that because I had been using SeatGeek before that. But download the SeatGeek app today. Go right to SeatGeek.com. Also brought to you by Simply Safe. Getting a good night's sleep is easier said than done, especially when you think you just heard a noise downstairs. Install Simply Safe's home security system. Arm your home with powerful sensors that actually tell you if a door opens or a window breaks. Please don't spend another night second guessing your home safety. Go to SimplySafeBS.com. Simply Safe with two eyes. And get a special 10% discount when you order today. That's simplysafebs.com for 10% off your order. We're also brought to you by Joe House's two podcasts. You did a Shack House right after the British Open, right? We had to get it out. It was such an incredible end to the Open Championship. Incredible. Spieth, the 13th hole, I was worried Spieth, like his career would never be the same if they didn't find the ball. And then he proceeds to lay one of the great ass kickings I've ever seen in my life in golf. And there it was. Now he's back. Humongous balls on that kid. The so, biggest balls. So he's won three majors, and he has like, what, three or four second-place finishes in majors, too? He's had two second places in the Masters. I think one at the U.S. Open. He has at least three second-place finishes, right? Yeah, he, he finished outside of the playoff for the uh, British Open a couple years ago. He has a second, a couple second places at the Masters. Yeah, he's he's amazing uh, as a very young fella, already looking like an all timer. He's already in the Hall of Golf Hall of Fame. I mean, it's not like there's a very high bar there, hmm. but he's won three majors. That means he's in. Who has a brighter future, Jordan Spieth or Kevin O'Connor? I love Kevin O'Connor. Okay, it's good. I'm gonna have to go with Speed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Kevin O'Connor says Speed, uh, and also House of Carbs, House's new food podcast. That none other than my daughter Zoe Simmons said in the car the other day. I said, "Do you want to? We're driving to uh, get lunch." I'm like, "Want to put on a, pes- a podcast? Have you heard the House podcast yet?" And she goes, "I've heard all three. It's fantastic. I love House's food podcast." Zoe Simmons. Big fan. Well, that's that's a that's the best endorsement I've heard so far. Yeah, it's good. We got Chris Bianco and uh, Copy Chief from The Ringer, Craig Gaines, coming up this week on House of Carbs Craig. to discuss one of the uh, great LA places. Hopefully, Craig Gaines, uh, his career doesn't blow up and he won't leave The Ringer. Um, and then finally, Talk the Thrones, our Twitter Game of Thrones show. We just put up episode two. We archived it. They went on last night. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. I know House enjoyed the nudity, as he always does. And uh, and you can check that out on at Ringer on our Twitter feed. All right, Kevin O'Connor, Joe House coming up. But first, Pearl Jam. All right, on the line, the Ringers Kevin O'Connor, the Ringers Joe House. We're going to try to do a three-man pod, which uh, has mixed success, but I think we can pull it off this time. But before we talk about Kyrie quickly, I tweeted right before um, 
we started taping this podcast that Carmelo and Oklahoma City are officially circling each other. And the connection there is Troy Weaver, who is, um, I think his title is assistant GM for Oklahoma City, but he recruited Carmelo to Syracuse. He knew Carmelo since way back in the DMV days when Carmelo was a kid. And now they're discussing that. Kevin O'Connor, what is your instant reaction to a Carmelo Anthony mm. OKC possibility? Wow, uh, that, that's that's fascinating. Is that is that a place where they could potentially dump Enos Cantor? So Cantor to New York, he could be the salary filler, maybe. Yeah. So if you're the Knicks and Carmelo's like, I'm out. Send me to the Rockets, and the Rockets are like, We'll do it, but you got to take Ryan Anderson for sixty million three years. Cantor, I think, is seventeen million for t- a year for yeah, two. Just yep, that's all. It's a much much better contract, and Oklahoma City has better assets to give to. Right. Maybe better assets. Maybe they might be willing to give more. House, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony, Patrick Patterson, Stephen Adams at crunch time in the Western Finals against Golden State. You're not going to bet against Golden State, but you'd be a little more scared, right? Well, I think uh, this news certainly has me interested in checking the odds at the Western Conference champion prognostication. I'd like very much to know what I can get Oklahoma City at right now, right as we speak, right as this podcast is being recorded. Uh, Oklahoma City is the potential Western Conference champ going into the NBA Finals. I bet it's a good number. So you you came to the right place. Obviously, I have a gambling problem. I've looked at this. (laughs) And uh, Oklahoma City, um, before this tweet, was 40-1 to to win the title. A Celtics-Thunder Finals, 70 to 1. 70 to 1. 70 to 1. Just throwing that out there. I Is LeBron playing for the Celtics? I don't know. Let's talk about that. All oh, right. I don't want that one then. Um, so, yeah, who knows? It, they might just be circling each other. I, the thing that the catch here is that Carmelo's contract goes beyond the Paul George isn't expiring this year. Russell Westbrook hasn't out. And if I'm Carmelo, the fear would be. You end up on this team, and then everybody leaves. The other fear would be OKC, amazingly, considering that they once traded James Harden because they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. OKC now, KOC, do you know they're the third highest payroll this season? Yes. I, I think that you got to pay to keep Russ. I mean, you got you got to keep him happy. And if like Carmelo, if they were to really add him, that that is really intriguing because you have three guys who can really really make plays for you at the end of the shot clock. And uh, you like you said, they wouldn't be on par with Golden State, but man, that gets you pretty damn close. Yeah, and I think the thing if if somehow they did add Carmelo, and you talk about Paul George, who as you've written is is a terrific spot up three point shooter and just is gonna help you space the floor. Now you have Carmelo too, now you have Patrick Patterson in the corner. All that's doing is opening up the middle for Russ, who is one of the five most devastating going to the rim if if only one person's in front of him, guys, in the history of the league. So the more they can do to space it out for him, the more dangerous they are. I still have, you know, a little bit of concern about Russ and whether he's able to really uh, scale it back and not not be in the high usage rate mode that he was once in. But it's it's certainly a better situation than we're in. And we have Kevin Pritchard to thank. I still haven't gotten over Kevin Pritchard giving Paul George to the Thunder for Oladipo. I still, ha- I still ha- can't wrap my head around it. Is that, House, is that the worst trade of the decade? Or would you put Harden ahead of it? 
I'm not sure. You know, the thing that's interesting is the stories that are coming out now um, in the context of the, the Kyrie deal is that the other sort of best competing offer on the table involved Gary Harris and the and the 13 pick. Um, yeah. Kevin, is that true? I think it's true. Uh, I, I don't know so if, if it was actually – yeah, I think it's true, though. If that, if that was your other best competing offer, um, then Oladipo and Sabonis – I think Sabonis is kind of better than what you're likely to get for that 13 pick. Right. And uh, Oladipo is is better um, at the moment than Gary Harris. Gary Harris has has potential, and and Gary Harris uh, has ambition of of getting a mega contract. Um, But you have, you know, Oladipo kind of locked in at a price. It it looks better in that context. It still seems crazy to me that that's the best the Pacers could do. House. What about just taking Kevin Love? I mean, let's just throw everyone else off the table. Would you rather have Kevin Love for the next couple of years or Victor Oladipo for the next couple of years? I don't. I don't think it's a. It's even a discussion. Do you, Kevin? Well, what's the team? What are you trying to do with with the pay? If you're the, if you're Kevin Pritchard, you're in his shoes. What are you trying to do with the team? What's your plan for the next three years? I at least I have a, a better asset. I mean, I would argue the Oladipo contract almost makes him a prohibitive asset. I don't, I don't really think he has, I don't know, uh, barely any o- trade Oladipo's value. Oladipo's a negative. Yeah. He's a negative. He should have been a salary dump. That, that's what yeah. I felt about him. He's a solid player, but for that amount of money, I mean, that was way too much that they signed him for last year. And I mean, I thought I thought trading George for Love straight up would have been like a poor move because it would have put you on the playoff treadmill. Like you just would have been like a seven, six, seven seed for the next couple of years. But at the same time, if that's your goal, Kevin Love makes more sense than Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. And I think he probably could have shaken a little bit more out than just Kevin Love as well. It's just it baff that deal still baffles me. And House, you know, you made the point about the. 13th pick uh that's true like you know maybe Sabonis would be better than the 13th pick but at the same time like this draft was so good and Donovan Mitchell went 13 and he's looking like the steal of the draft a couple other guys behind him Bam Adebayo I think would be a better better prospect than Sabonis Justin Patton DJ Wilson there's a handful of guys that I would have taken 13 that I think are better than Sabonis but each team you know grades these guys individually and so maybe they're just super super high on Sabonis I, I think that's an insane evaluation if that's true. I'd much rather have the 13th pick. And we knew, I mean, we did so much good stuff. The draft guide we were doing on the, on the ringer and all the mocks and all the content we had, we knew somebody good was going to fall into that 12, 13, 14 range. And it turned out to be Mitchell. And I don't know, it just straight up Mitchell for Paul George is a much better haul than Old Depot for $21 million. <laughs> even, even if you have Gary Harris for a year and just let him go. I'd rather have the 13th pick. And also, like, you know, we, we don't, we've we never heard exactly what Boston offered. And I think the Celtics have a habit of not making a deal and then telling everybody that they offered probably more than they actually did. But <laughs> yep. at the very at the very least, let's agree they, they must have offered Bradley and Crowder and a couple first-round picks that weren't the Brooklyn Lottery picks, you know. And, I, I mean, I would argue I'd rather even have that. But... um I don't the over the old depot for twenty million a year, but anyway, that's another story. Let's talk about Kyrie. Um, all right, I have ten questions. We're going to answer these questions one at a time. The first question, I'll throw this to you, Kevin O'Connor. How long do you think Kyrie Irving has actually been either kind of unhappy or legitimately unhappy with his uh, Cleveland slash LeBron relationship? 
I think even before LeBron got there. I mean, there were there were reports going back to 2013, back to 2013 that he kind of wanted out. Um, so yeah. I think you know it's been quite a while since LeBron for, since before LeBron got there, and then since then, I mean, he has openly admitted, like during their first season together, that he wouldn't say it was a rocky start with them. Right? Um, he has admitted these things publicly. So the the signs have always been there that like these guys have clashed a little bit. Um, so I think over time they got better. I think they learned how to play with each other, and Kyrie learned a lot from LeBron. There's no denying that. Uh, but at the same time, I just think. For Kyrie, he's at the point now where it's like, I want my own team. And in some ways, like you might call that selfish. In other ways, you know, it's a little bit understandable too. House, were you surprised to hear that Kyrie was unhappy? I'm not surprised by it because the capacity for self-delusion amongst these guys is uh, we, we've come to appreciate is unfettered. You can't um, put a ceiling on how much these guys will talk themselves between the, the, themselves and the, the, whatever they're – uh, the, the team around them in terms of their ability to, to not be in touch with the reality of their situation and their skill set and so forth. But, uh, you know, I'm disappointed because I think that Cleveland, as currently constituted, has every bit as much of a, of a legit chance of taking on Golden State in just the way that they're currently configured yeah. um, and, and posing a real challenge to Golden State just the way they were when, when Game 7 ended, uh, you know, a month ago. It was Game 5. You know what I meant, Game 5. Well, it's a pretty dramatic difference between Game 5 and Game 7. Else. Here, here's a... <laughs> Game, you were thinking game seven a year ago, and I'm with you. I, I, to me, my fear if I'm running Cleveland is I don't want to overreact from the the mild ass kicking I got in the finals because you had it was a big revenge finals for Golden State as Shea Serrano wrote about one of the best revenge finals that we've had in the last 35 years. Everything was going right for Golden State. They're completely healthy. They. Um, they survived some really, really great offensive performances from LeBron and Kyrie, which can't be forgotten. They couldn't guard LeBron or Kyrie that whole series. And, you know, if I'm looking at this as a Cleveland fan, and I, I know I have at least one more year, I got to think, like, injuries have determined 50 to 60% of, of how these last maybe 35 to 40 years of the finals have, have played out. And the best chance they have is just to keep this team together and then hope for some injury luck or hope for something weird to happen because that's the NBA. Weird shit happens all the time. I said in a podcast last week when, when, I, when I had Jimmy Butler on my podcast, I was saying when we went into last decade, we thought the decade was going to belong to LeBron's team, assuming it was Miami or wherever else, Oklahoma City, and Chicago. And LeBron won two titles in Miami. Oklahoma City won one finals game. And Chicago never made the finals. So you just never know. And I think that would be my hesitation with panicking with this Kyrie thing. I will say this, though. Not to, not to do a five-minute monologue here. So, KOC, you don't have an all-NBA vote yet. But we're going to get you on that. We're going to get you an awards ballot this year. I'm making that my personal oh, mission. Yeah. I, I was on it last year. Oh, you got a vote last year. Yeah, yeah. I got one last year. You did? This is yeah, tremendous. Oh, now I need a new personal what, mission. You, wait, you, didn't, what, you, you didn't look at the uh, what everybody else voted for? <laughs> I always get excited to see that list. 
I, I'm just too old. The print's so small, I can't see anybody. They, they release it, <laughs> it in that it little... Is small print. <laughs> it, what is that, like four font, four point font? But uh, so yeah, I was so, figuring out my... Some the others for some reason. I was figuring out my all-NBA teams. And I think Kyrie is... I don't know. He's He's definitely one of the five best offensive players in the league. I think talent standpoint, he's in the discussion from somewhere between number seven to number 11. He'd be... Once you get past like the big the big six, big seven, Kyrie's in that next group. He's got to be discussed. I didn't really even consider voting for him for even third team All NBA. I just felt like, eh, you know, he's kind of up and down. He's he seems detached sometimes. That team didn't play well. It seems like if you have LeBron and Kyrie in the same team, you should win more than fifty games. And I just bumped him. And I really think that's at least part of what this is all about is I think Kyrie thinks I'm one of the best eight players in the league. I can't even make the all NBA team. And he didn't. So how Steve does that? I mean, I know you're, you're worried about the ego part of this with Kyrie, but that makes a little bit of sense, right? That this guy feels like he's top eight, but can't even make third team all NBA. But the thing about that is he's playing with the very best player. I mean, the, the competing uh, considerations there are y- he has the the best stage, the biggest stage. He's able to go out uh, and and you know prove to everybody that he deserves that All NBA uh, accolade. He's been in the league six years and he's only made one All NBA team in in his uh, tenure, and it was a third team in in 2014 2015. Yeah, uh, he has a combination of you know not being able to stay on the court for. Oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, early in his career, um, you know, all eighty games, eighty-two games, and he doesn't play any defense. So at some that people recognize that, people see that the voters for all NBA, you know, see that. I don't think that he's not making all NBA teams because he's in LeBron's shadow. What do you think, Kevin? I, I think it, it is because he's LeBron's shadow. I think that I like, just the fact that LeBron LeBron is the point guard of the team. And so, like, one of the points, like, a, a source made to me, like, why Kyrie kind of wants out is just the fact that he can do more as a playmaker and he wants to do more. Like, he's seen how guys like John Wall have developed with the heavy opportunity that he's gotten. Whereas Irving, like, he... He's not the point guard. He he's really like a two guard on that team. He's an off ball, primarily an off ball player who occasionally gets buckets at the end of the clock. But he doesn't. He's not a playmaker for that team. And I think that's really the kind of the hole that's missing with him. I know like his defense, it's true house. Like that is rightfully knocked. His defense is horrific. But at the same time, like Isaiah Thomas made All NBA playing horrific defense. Um, I, I just think. Russell Westbrook made first team All NBA playing horrific defense. James Harden as well. Kyrie Irving isn't the only point, uh, the only guard who plays bad D. Uh, he, yeah. it's just he doesn't get those playmaking chances that those other guys do. But or, he or had that. that matter, he had those chances early in his career. Yeah, I mean, well, that makes him think that though. he's gotten so much better. He's. He, he, I don't think you can judge that. He's coming off a ten game, a ten game college career, and then was thrown into a rebuilding team. He was super young. They had bad coaching situations. I don't I don't blame Kyrie for anything that happened pre-LeBron because I think he was a young player. I will say this, though, House. So Damian Lillard made second team All-NBA in 2016. Kyle Lowry made third team. Last year, Isaiah made second team All-NBA. John Wall and DeMar DeRozan made the third team. 
I think Kyrie is better than all those guys, including your boy John Wall. And I, that has to be part of this. And people think like, oh, the OMBA, these guys, they care about rings, but they care about all of it. They care about um, the acclaim. I'm sure he looks at like, you know, the fact that his shoes are number two for Nike. I think they're the number two selling brand there. He's huge with young kids and he's a phenomenal offensive player. I actually kind of agree with him. I do think he needs his own team. I think, I think he's done it. I think he's been the wingman for LeBron for three years here. And, you know, he, he, there's there's a lot less pressure in some respects because if he doesn't have it, LeBron can carry the offense. So it's kind of like the Kyrie heat check happens like it did in game four in the Boston series. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, watch out, here's Kyrie. But if it doesn't happen, it's not like it's going to murder his team. Um, so the pressure of that, I think, you know, but maybe he wants it. Maybe he's ready for it. Maybe he wants, you know, his own his own empire. I don't know. I see it. I, I really did feel like that was an unhappy team last year, which takes me to our second question. Um, did Cleveland try to trade him in June? Because I heard they did. And then it came out in the, uh, the ESPN piece by Winhorst and Ramona and those people that his name had popped up in those things. I had heard that. I had heard Phoenix, um, that, that that was a lot more real than I think people realized, that it was... As reported, pretty much, Bledsoe and the number four pick were leaving Phoenix. Kyrie was involved. I've heard different scenarios where Love was involved, where Love wasn't involved. Indiana was involved. Um, and he, his name was definitely thrown around there. O'Connor, what did you hear? I think it did happen. I, I'm not sure if they knew at the time that he wanted out. That's That part's totally unclear to me, but I do think that happened. So House... His name was on the streets, to borrow a phrase from Marlo Stanfield. He heard his name was on the streets. He didn't like it. <laughs> he's Kyrie Irving. He's the, he's the number one overall pick. He's supposed to be a franchise guy, and they're kind of quietly, secretly sniffing around what his value is and trying to figure out if there's a way to uh, maybe parlay him into Eric Bledsoe and Paul George. Um, can you blame Kyrie now? Well, before we go any further, I'm not going to countenance any more of this disrespect. And I've sat quietly for a month now while both of you dicks have said bad things about John Wall and his relationship to the Wizards <laughs> and Kyrie is a superior player to John Wall. I'm not standing for any more of that BS. John Wall is DC for life. He's where he belongs. And guess what? He's better than Kyrie Irving. <laughs> John Wall's never played with the best player in, in the NBA, and he's never been on the NBA final stage. He's never been to the NBA uh, uh, to an Eastern Conference finals. But Le- Kyrie has, has been able to uh, ride LeBron's coattails all the way through here, get on the biggest stage, and has, has the, the second most popular shoe for a guy that gets to play half the games. How about this, Kyrie? If you are who you think you are, then why did the Cavaliers only win 50-whatever games? 50. There was an opportunity. It was clear from Christmas time on that LeBron wanted to start getting some rest. He didn't need to play 35 minutes a game. How about that time, Kyrie, to go to uh, distinguish yourself and if you're if the all NBA team is important to you, Kyrie, you have 35, 40 games to go do it in the regular season. Go get it done, son. Anyway. KOC, your rebuttal. Having said all of that. KOC, your rebuttal. <laughs> Having said all of that. 
<laughs> it's pretty close between those two, but I just think Kyrie Irving at his peak when we haven't seen it yet. That, that's I think his potential is a little bit higher, uh, a lot higher than what we've seen so far the past three years in Cleveland. I just think he's capable of so much more as a playmaker. Um, if he had really the keys to handle that offense, bring the ball up all the time. Like, can you imagine like if Kyrie got a lot of the, the transition opportunities LeBron got, like the amount of assists he would pick up, the amount of easy layups he would get. I mean, LeBron does so much for that offense, um, just bringing the ball uh, coast to coast. I think we'd see Irving get a lot more points and assists just just from that statistically um never mind kind of the it factor he has with his clutch performances at the end of games house i'll just tell you having rooted against both of them in a playoff series last year I, Kyrie scared the living feces out of me and i never we have a, we had avery bradley last year who's probably the best on-ball defender at that position and he was just doing whatever he wanted against them he was torching them and that the difference between them, in my opinion, is Kyrie is unbelievable in the half court. He's one of the best shot makers I've ever seen in my life. And the bigger the stage, the better he gets. John Wall to me is still, I don't want to call him a gimmick player, but I think he's just much better in a chaotic up and down fast pace. When the things slow down, he's just not that good in the half court. And the stats back it up. Like he had a lot of trouble. Um, when the game slows down and that's what happens in the playoffs. Things slow down. KOC, what were the what were the John Wall half court stats? They weren't great, right? I was in the process of pulling those up right now from Synergy. But I, just to it, uh, but just it, in terms while of you're like, looking that up, tell me how many times in those half court sets LeBron James was on the floor for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> you know, right? That 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 definitely I mean, helps. What are you Irving. talking it's about? True, but, but but at the same time, like it just individually, like Irving has moments. Like he, there, will you agree at least that Irving is a better shooter off the dribble? Like just. Just that basic skill. Come on, house. Skill sure, set. sure, sure. You know what? He's not a one tenth of the passer that that uh, John Wall is. But, but name he also a player that Kyrie Irving's played with that's gotten a contract because of catch and shoot um, from the corner. I can name three Washington Wizards who have gotten humongous contracts because of John Wall's passing ability. It's a great, it's a great counter. I I just feel it, like but the, game but that's seven. Something Wall's learned from. Yeah, like he's had he's had developmental years doing that. Like from from the start with Washington, he's been able to do that. Whereas Irving had only three years alone, and the last three years he hasn't even been the point guard. Like he's missed out on three years of developing as a point guard. He and he was stuck with. Uh, I mean, it's no secret Waiters Island and uh, and Kyrie did not get along. But the the team he had was just a lot of one on one guys, and it and with you throwing the bad coaches. Who were the coaches? Mike Brown was there for a year running the clock toilet offense. But who was who was the one before Mike Brown who was even worse? Byron Scott? He had Byron, Byron Scott, Scott Mike, yeah. Byron Scott and Mike Brown as his coach's house. I mean, that's not you that that's why I throw away everything that happened oh, before LeBron. You you really want me to talk about Randy Whitman <laughs> and, and the development of John Wall and Randy Whitman? All fair points. I all I can tell you is game seven, I wanted John Wall to shoot as a Celtic fan. I was like, please shoot more threes. He was John exhausted. Wall. We went through this. Yeah, that was an ah. institutional failure. That right. was a, a the Washington franchise against the Boston franchise in the last eight minutes of that game. And Boston was uh, over the course of the season better designed and much better prepared for that eight minute moment than than Washington was. 
And, and that all it all goes back to what happened the previous offseason and the fact that Wall didn't have a credible backup point guard and a whole series of, of things that led to Wall being physically exhausted and it was obvious to everybody. So your point about being more concerned about Kyrie as opposed to Wall in that in last year's playoffs, that's extremely valid. Of course that's the case. Kyrie has the benefit of riding coattails all season long. Oh, wow. And he comes out fresh and just tor- he torched he did torch Avery Bradley. You're absolutely right about that. I have those synergy numbers, the half-court numbers for John Wall yeah. and Irving. Let's hear them. So, okay, so so John Wall this year in the half-court scored 0.8 points per possession, which ranked in the 29th percentile of all NBA players. Irving oh, no, scored one, 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 1.02, which ranked in the 83rd percentile. And I know the counter-argument will be, yes, well, he had LeBron James on the floor. Well, let's look at Irving's numbers before LeBron James. As a rookie, ranked in the 71st percentile. Second year, 70th percentile. Third year, 58th percentile. Mm. Whereas Wall, now at this stage in his career, still ranked in the 29th percentile in half-court scoring. And you're right, John Wall, you know, he's really a coast-to-coast guy, but at the same time, that's really the big separation right now at this level, is just Irving's ability to create in the half-court. The stats show it. I think our eyes show it as well. Hey, listen. I, I, I concede all of that. That's fine. I just want to hear one of you guys name a player that Kyrie's made better in his career. Great. I love that argument. That's one of my favorite arguments. You're right. Kyrie has not made one person better that I can that I can remember. But I'm not I'm not sure that's why God put him on the earth with a basketball. I think he I think his his job is I think it it's like a, a Westbrook thing. He's 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 a usage rate force. House, you're upset and I have something that's going to cheer you up. <laughs> Picnics, potlucks, dinner parties, barbecues, good food. Whoa! Good food is essential to a successful summer, right? Now it's even easier to create delicious summer meals with Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers easy to follow seasonal rep- recipes along with pre portioned ingredients right to your door. No more overspending at restaurants. Prepare memorable, memorable meals yourself in under 40 minutes. House, can I read you some of the meals available in July? This is my favorite part. Let's hear the meals. Seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers. A wonderful summer dish. Creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges. Oh, oh I love the little pickle idea. Fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn and cubanelle pepper. You'd eat that. All night long with a nice splash of a, of a, of a glorious, vibrant white wine. Chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. That's my Ooh, that that would sounds be the good one. with a pinot. Yeah, that, I would eat that. Yeah. Right now, you can get your first three Blue Apron meals for free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com/bs. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay. Third question. We we have eight questions left. We're only at number three. <laughs> Koc, do you believe Kyrie asked to be traded on July seventh, or do you believe he asked? way way earlier because i believe he was was pushing for it with chicago and his buddy jimmy butler before the draft and it's kind of trickled out a tiny bit but hasn't really come out in full force yet what do you think so everything i've heard indicates the july 7th range but logically it would make sense that it happened prior to that. Logically, it would make sense that it did happen before the draft, but everything I've heard has indicated in the July 7th range. So if they had shopped him before the draft, and this is part of the, 
One of the things I don't like about the structure of the NBA season right now is how fast the draft comes after the finals. You know, it was literally like maybe six days later. But, you know, there were some chess pieces that could have been moved around. I, like, I wonder, would Chris Paul have wanted to go to Cleveland over Houston for a year if he knew that Kyrie was potentially on his way out? House, if you're Chris Paul... So. If you're Chris Paul, do you rather go to Cleveland or Houston for a year? Oh, it's got to be Cleveland, right? You yeah. Get a chance to play with LeBron. You, I want to make a very quick observation. The point you just made about how quickly the draft comes, that to me is the A number one argument for shortening the season. We need a 70-game season. It goes too far into June. We need to, to have, let, let the teams, let the franchises have a breather between the end of the finals, the draft, the commencement of free agency – so that they're not making these crazy decisions on the fly. Because the, the reason we're talking about Kyrie Irving right now under these circumstances is be, because of whatever crazy thing happened between Dan Gilbert and, and, and David Griffin that I'll never understand. Well, I, I, I have a lot of insight in that, but let, let's shove that for five minutes. So if the, if the, if the finals ended on June 20th, the draft was... Right, I'm sorry, the finals ends on June 10th. The draft is June 20th. And then you have free agency starts like June 26th, something like that. Now you don't have... Or even July 1st. You can keep it the way it is. I, but you can't, though, because that you're having like the best 96 hours of the offseason during a time when everybody is going away for July 4th weekend. You know, we see it. I, I talked about this on the podcast. That's like, the way it is now. It's I, great. Is it though? It's not. I'll tell you, it's not great for the ringer. It's not great for people that make content because people are away. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, sorry. Everybody has to work. <laughs> um, the uh, if if Kyrie had been able to push for a trade and if there had been enough padding, the number of teams that he could have gone to, you know, goes up. It just would have been more fun. On the flip side, maybe the league likes it this way because what's today's date? Like July 24th. Yep. 25th and now we're talking about Kyrie for 72 straight hours so maybe uh, maybe it's better that way I think he sniffed out a trade earlier than that personally question number four why did LeBron pretend he was blindsided by this trade request I'm going to use the word pretend because if I'm in LA 3,000 miles away or 2,500 miles away however far it is and I know Kyrie Irving is unhappy after the finals. And everybody in NBA circles knows that nobody on this team is happy. Um, is LeBron really that arrogant to pretend that he didn't have any inkling that Kyrie Irving was unhappy? What do you hear? What are you hearing about this, KOC? <laughs> well, we know how powerful LeBron is and, and how much he's used social media to kind of uh, form the, the narrative in some way. So I, I think that's really what LeBron did. And I, honestly, Bill, like I am so intrigued by what Stephen A. Smith reported last week or what not what he reported, but what he said he's heard Kyrie Irving's camp thinks. And that's that LeBron's camp is it was the leak um, for this initial thing last Friday with Irving demanding a trade. Um, so th that that factor there is really intriguing just with everything that's happened um, these past couple of days. If LeBron was behind it for whatever reason, whatever his motive motives might have been. But that that part's fascinating to me. Well, that was question five, so let's just get to it now. House, did LeBron's camp leak the Kyrie story so LeBron wouldn't be the bad guy? 
I think so, and I can't recall. KOC did a masterful job of setting up how uh, you know all LeBron is moving chess pieces right now, and I, I apologize. I'm not sure whether KOC made this point on the Ringer NBA Slack chat or whether he actually wrote it in a column. So I'm sorry if I'm stealing some of your thunder, KOC, but it was an awesome observation about putting the the chess pieces in place to create the narrative that the organization and the organizational dysfunction is responsible for all of of the momentum that is going to push LeBron away from Cleveland a year from now, and that this this uh, Kyrie stuff is is already part of it. LeBron claiming that he he was blindsided by the Griffin news. LeBron claiming that he's blindsided by Kyrie uh, wanting a trade. Th- these are all chess pieces that that start a narrative that's very compelling about the franchise being to blame this time around, as opposed to LeBron making the decision. Yeah, and I don't think LeBron has taken nearly enough shit, which is just the question six. We'll just merge all of these together. Is this LeBron's fault? Um, the short answer is yes. When you, when you have this much uncertainty about what your long-term future is with the franchise, when you have this many people talking about LeBron to L.A., really since... The finals. I mean, that's why we ended up writing about it and talking about it on The Ringer, and we tried to jump the gun a little bit on people because this was the narrative at the finals. And I remember, Kevin, I called you, and I said, you were going to hold that. Remember you were going to hold that story for a few days? And I was like, we got to run this yeah. now. We got to go with this now. Yep. We ended up doing a podcast because I was like, this is every conversation I'm having at the finals is about this. We got to reflect this on the site. So these conversations are happening they're happening. They're happening. They lose the finals. The Cavs look super unhappy in game five, especially Kevin Love. I, I actually felt bad for Kevin Love on the bench. He just looked lost. Finals ends. This narrative will not go away. All LeBron has to do is say something publicly about, look, I made a commitment to Cleveland. This is why I came back. I want to finish my career here. I, I want to win more titles. Like I have more work to do. I'm not leaving. This store is stupid. I'm not going to L.A. Like, just stop this. I don't want to hear this narrative anymore. He didn't do any of that. He hasn't said one thing. If anything, he goes to the Summer League game with Lonzo, right as the height of is LeBron going to the Lakers is going on. He fucking goes to the, to the, to the Laker game with Lonzo, the Summer League game. I was saying this would be like if, if, if my wife had heard rumors that I was cheating on her with some teacher at some high school. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. What, what are you talking about? I'm not cheating. And then I just go to a basketball game at that high school. It, it's the same thing. Like it, I just think it's crazy that he hasn't tried to squash this, which makes me think it's real. And I'm sure Kyrie thinks it's real. And I'm sure all the Cavs think it's real. Um, KOC, have you, have you heard one thing since the finals that made you think that LeBron to the Lakers was not real? No, not a single thing. And and even what came out yesterday um, from ESPN's writer Chris Haynes reporting that LeBron will not waive his no trade clause under any circumstances this year. Like the the language behind it was like he will fulfill his contract obligations um, this season, but it has no say on what will happen beyond the coming season. It's like, well, even that kind of just touches on the fact that, sure, he's in Cleveland this year. But maybe not next year. Uh, just everything that's come out, everything I've heard since then regarding like, his relationship with Dan Gilbert, um, just all this Kyrie stuff, 
everything has moved you know the needle in that direction that LeBron's out. Let me, let me let me pose this question to you guys though. Yeah. There was an enormous uh intervening event between the end of the finals, game 5, not game 7, my bad. And you know, um the onset of all this free agency stuff and the trade machinations and so forth and that was the fallout between uh, Gilbert and David Griffin. David Griffin as the linchpin to this whole thing. So if I was trying to be an, a LeBron apologist, what I would argue is he had no obligation right after the finals to do anything other than get his ass onto the beach and chill out for two weeks and turn his brain off after you know another grueling uh, run through through the playoffs and into the finals. And in the meantime, he, he was. Uh, you know, comfortable enough leaving the team to the guys that have done pretty good stewardship the last you know three years, uh, creating a, a, a team, um, and and you know he he potentially made his preferences known in terms of players to target and so forth. But hold on, could, didn't he earn the right to just turn his brain off and go away? And then was was potentially surprised, maybe not blindsided, but surprised that Griffin and Gilbert couldn't work it out. And that was the thing that really set you know, all these forces in motion that have brought us to this point now. Stop there. So I talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago about why is this narrative that David Griffin is such a great GM? I'm not against it. I just want to know where it came from and what the evidence is. And... I actually did some research. David Griffin actually was not a good GM for Cleveland. I think he's very good at having great media relationships. And I think he gets credit maybe for the Ty Lue, David Blatt thing, which seemed like it had to happen and LeBron was unhappy and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you go back to where they were that summer, um, first of all, they hired David Blatt, who is basically never going to work again as an NBA coach. That was David. That was David Griffin's hire, right? They trade the number one pick for Love, which I think everybody would have done. Now you remember later that summer they gave Anderson Vergeau. It was either that summer or that fall they gave Anderson Vergeau the three-year, thirty million dollar contract extension. Remember that? And we all said to ourselves, "Why are they giving that guy? That guy can't stay on the court. What are you doing?" And that and that was a salary cap murder. They traded two first-round picks for Mozgov. Think about that. Lost them a year later. That was a trade that in the finals, people or in the playoffs, people got a little excited about. But still, two first-round picks for Mozgov. They overpaid uh, Tristan Thompson and mangled that thing. You know, they gave him eighty-five million. They gave Shumpert four years, forty. They gave Jr. fifty-seven mil. They traded. Didn't they trade KOC? They traded a first-round pick for Channing Fry. Yeah, first round pick for Channing Fry, then a first rounder for Kyle Corver, protected. Um, that in 2014, the year before LeBron got there, Seth Curry and Joe Harris were on the Cavs and both got, uh, they ended up not keeping either of them. They brought in a slew of free agents. I, I think the only ones that probably, Richard Jefferson definitely worked. Darren Williams, can we. I don't feel like that worked. Would we? Would you say that worked? Talking about the minimum guys. Um, I but mean, then they, you look they at the, had many options, though. Right, but I'm saying the guys that didn't work. It's like Derek Williams, uh, James Jones, Mike Miller, Sean Marion, Kendrick Perkins, 
Chris Anderson, Larry Sanders, Bogut got hurt, but still, Dante Jones. I mean, you can go on and on and on. I just want to know, what's the evidence that David Griffin did a great job on this team? He had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson was already there. Why do we think he was such a great GM? I honestly want to know. I, I don't understand it. So I th- They made I think the it- NBA Finals the last three years. Yeah, because they had LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. That's why they made the finals. I mean, that's enough. They had the third best player of all time. LeBron's been in seven straight finals. Exercise. We're we're in agreement. We're arguing both sides of the same the same coin. I I I really feel like I don't think you can tell a, a, a call a franchise that made the NBA finals three straight years. You know anybody associated with it a failure. I'm not saying it's a failure. I'm just saying. The fact that David Griffin isn't there anymore, people are acting like, you know, this whole thing fell apart because Griffin's not there. Who cares? The owners run the well, team how anyway. Much did we, I'm interested in KOC. He's got always got his ear to the, the ground. I mean, I know you do too, BS, but uh, KOC, a lot of these stories over the last, you know, five, six weeks talk about the, the role that Griffin played in, in keeping guys happy and keeping guys understanding what their roles mm, were okay. and break, brokering peace between various camps. How much of that do you, do you give credence to? A lot. I think, I think that's a big part of uh, why David Griffin is a good GM. Maybe not great, but good. Um, yeah. I, I think with Griffin, so three years ago at the NBA Combine is where I met uh, Dave for the first time. And, you know, at the time I really didn't know a whole lot about, you know, who he was besides that he worked a lot of years in Phoenix. Um, and like a lot of people were like raving, like he's going to be a really great GM. It's great. He got an opportunity. So I think part of the reason why he has that reputation of being a great general manager is yes, because a lot of people like him and a lot of people have supported him over the years when he first got the gig. Um, but here, here's the other part, like all those moves you mentioned, Bill, I'm I'm with you in the sense that a lot of those were either poor decisions or short-sighted decisions. It's something I've written about before that from the start, I think Cleveland should have been building through the lens of lens of sustainability, thinking yeah. long-term with their decisions about sustaining success. However, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't build through the lens of sustainability if you knew LeBron's leaving. If you knew from the start, you got 4 years of LeBron James and then that's it. You're going to do all these short-term moves. You're going to trade two picks for Mozgov. You're going to trade a top 10 protected pit for Korver. You're going to do all those things. If you know LeBron's probably gone in four years, he's probably going somewhere else. And I'm just speculating here, but if I think, I think David Griffin's a smart guy, a smart general manager. I think he wouldn't have done those things unless there was some type of background knowledge that there's a chance that this this fling, LeBron being back, is only going to be a short term, uh, a short term thing, and that's what's happening. I mean, that's what we're going towards. So maybe I'm just speculating again. Maybe that that was really the reasoning behind a lot of these short sighted decisions because they knew they they were running on short time, and, and maybe they knew like they had to do those things in order to win a title. Otherwise, the four years would have been an utter failure if they didn't have that tremendous comeback against Golden State. These are all great points and 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 goes to my point that we don't really know how good of a GM Griffin was because if you just like I listed all the all the things that they did, not that great. But but you left out one part. It wasn't just a four-year thing like LeBron was basically doing these one-year player option deals over and over again. That's there was true. always the hint yeah. of he might pull out and it was always like spend 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 more money, spend more, don't care about the luxury tax, give away your future picks. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe Griffin was completely handcuffed in a lot of ways, but I, 
I think I don't know enough about the personality management he did behind the scenes. I know the team won 50 games and was super unhappy for most of the season. And I know they, they, uh, they did not seem happy by the end of the finals. I'm not sure how much he could have saved that, but, um, you know, I, I just, that it bothers me when they, it's a little like the doc rivers was a great coach narrative that somehow unfolded. And then we saw what happened with the Clippers these last few years where Doc Rivers isn't a great coach. He's fine. He's okay. But it was like, Doc Rivers is a great coach. People were saying that because, you know, a lot of media members love Doc Rivers. And he was friends with a lot of people. And that gets pushed and pushed and pushed. It's the same people that are wondering why Mark Jackson doesn't have another job. Mark Jackson doesn't have another job because his last year in Golden State was one of the all-time behind-the-scenes disasters we've seen with a head coach in the last 20 years. That's why he doesn't have a job. Um, he's a great guy. I like Mark Jackson, but um, but that those are just the facts. Anyway, we got to talk about propercloth.com really quick. Every guy knows it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Collar too tight, sleeves too long, shirts too loose. Guess what? I have some good news. I mean, f- these are all things. House's weight fluctuates by 20 pounds, depending on what the eating situation is from where he is. So House knows ordering a custom fit shirt is a problem. But right now, it's never been easier thanks to proper cloth. Create a custom shirt size in seconds just by answering 10 easy questions. No measure required. Choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 fabric styles, classic to business. Completely customize your shirt. Get the style you want. All high quality with the absolute best quality and craftsmanship starting at just $80. Proper cloth guarantees a perfect fit, meaning if you somehow your shirt doesn't fit properly or perfectly, they will remake it for free. So stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Again, propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. This wasn't one of my 10 questions, but I'm throwing this in uh, just because it's topical considering the Griffin discussion. How much of this is that Dan Gilbert, who is perfectly willing to just spend money? So on that on that perspective, he's a good owner, I guess. But how much of this is the dysfunction that just seems to be there in these Dan Gilbert organizations really since the late 2000s. KOC, what have you heard on that? I think that could be a lot of it um, with Gilbert. I, I think, you know, the relationship with LeBron James is not good still. Um, from what, what I heard is like when we published the piece back in June about LeBron potentially leaving, like the next day someone texted me, a front office executive, saying like one of the main reasons he wants out is still the relationship with Dan Gilbert. And that same week, the video was released through his through his outlet, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the barbershop video where he talked about Dan Gilbert and the Comic Sans letter he wrote. I still don't think things are great there i mean gilbert has never extended a general manager uh, maybe those feelings also apply to Kyrie irving as well I, I do think that could be part of it and it's kind of telling that chauncey didn't take the job because you take yes, a gm job a there's 30 gm jobs they're hard to get if you want to become a gm and you're offered the chance to be the gm of the second best team in the league you would think you would want to take that he did not ty Lu says everything is yeah, Ty Lue's one of Chauncey's best friends. He still didn't take the job. So either, I mean, it's it's they're, they're one of the reasons floated was that they didn't offer him a lot of money. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't the guy's made it. Chauncey's made a ton of money already. I don't think he's making a decision because the offer was $300,000 shorter than it should have been. I think it was one of two things and maybe both. 
Um, one, Ty Lue telling him, I think LeBron's out of here after this year. You shouldn't take this job. It's a disaster. We don't have any picks and we're screwed. Or um, Dan Gilbert's, you know, kind of a nightmare. I would stay away. It had to be one of those two. So who knows? All right. Question seven. Can Cleveland trade Kyrie and make their 2018 team better? So there's only one trade that I see out there that is possible. I tweeted it already. But uh, it involves clutch client Eric Bledsoe, who a lot of people would argue that if he can, as long as he can stay on the court, which has he has had a, a checkered history with that. But if he's on the court and he's healthy, um, might be a better two-way player than Kyrie. Certainly not the offensive player, but a much better defensive player. Um, if they could get him from Phoenix, if Kyrie goes to Phoenix, is that? Oh no, I'm sorry. Kyrie goes to the the trade ad was Kyrie goes to the Knicks. They send Nitalinka, the French the French kid, the number eight lottery pick, to the Suns. Um, Cleveland ends up getting Bledsoe and Carmelo, and they send a couple contracts to make everything work. That was the most logical trade I've seen. I saw another one that I really liked, um, which was basically Kyrie, um, Tristan Thompson, and a contract to Memphis for Marc Gasol and Mike Conley. These are the trade readers are just mailing me crazy trades, and I've actually been enjoying it. But KOC, is there a trade out there that you think could actually make Cleveland better? Yeah, I I think there's got to be something out there. Um, But at the same time, I I don't think it's that Phoenix deal. I'm just thinking, like, if it's true that Dan Gilbert, you know, made it clear to the front office that they want to get better, they want to retrofit their roster um, to better battle Golden State, if that's true. Um, I think we got to think really big here, and I don't think it would be so simple as a deal like that, where, it, where that deal makes too much sense on paper. It's too easy. I feel like it would be the type of deal that's extremely complex, three, a four-way deal maybe, where you're looping in other teams to get extra assets, because there's teams that can offer them like those high-level, long-term prospects, um, but they might not have the short-term, like a point guard to replace uh, Kyrie Irving or something like that, and that's where I think you would loop in that other team and the thing with Bledsoe and Mellow Bill is the fact those two guys are really good players like I'm on team Mellow in the sense that like I think you put him Me around too. other great players he he will be really good like if you put him on Houston he's going to become team USA Carmelo Anthony his efficiency will skyrocket however uh, I do think with Cleveland um, Eric Bledsoe really isn't a good spot up shooter and the ball would primarily be in LeBron and Carmelo's hands um, Carmelo yep. isn't nearly, nearly the shooter off the dribble that Kyrie Irving is. So while conventional wisdom may say Melo would replace um, that aspect of Ir- that Irving brings, it's not necessarily the case. Irving is a significantly better half-court scorer, a significantly better isolation scorer. And I think it, that would need to be replaced in some way or, or another, either Either it would have to be balanced by more defensive players or um, a high upside player that could really turn it on this season. Um, that, that's, that's what I would be looking for, some type of mixture of younger guys with upside and veterans because that way you set yourself up no matter what LeBron does next summer. Maybe your team looks great going forward and LeBron's like, you know what, forget LA, I'm staying in Cleveland. Or it could be the type of thing where if he leaves, you're looking at your roster and you're like, we're in good shape. We got a good haul for one of the best young point guards, 25 years old in the prime of his career for Kyrie Irving. That's that's what I'm targeting. I'm, I'm thinking really big here, and it's hard to find, though. But I, I think we got to expand what we're thinking about for them. 
House, Tate wants to know if you think Charlotte can get Kyrie for Kemba Walker and Nicholas Batum. (laughs) (laughs) I love Tate. The, the, The wishful thinking. I agree with everything KOC said, which is why I think what is going to happen is that Kyrie Irving plays basketball for the Cleveland Cavaliers this coming season. Because I don't think that with the guiding principles, all of those very sound principles that KOC just laid out in terms of the return that Cleveland ought to get for a player, it is incredible um, how young Kyrie is and how much of his his prime is is yet to be had. Um, we've seen so much of him because of these returns. You know, the, the, he's been in the finals three straight years. He feels like he's been around longer. Um, so he's a tremendous haul for somebody, which is why Cleveland ought to just sit tight unless it gets the you know out of the ballpark home run kind of deal with the with the assets that that KOC outlined. I'm not sure that Batum and and Kemba quite fit the criteria. <laughs> um, I don't think Cleveland would ever trade with Boston. But I think it's ironic that Boston probably has the best type of package that would help Cleveland short-term and long-term, right? Isaiah would have to be in it. Um, You'd have to put Jay Crowder in it to make the contract work. And then you could pick whatever future pick um, you'd want to throw in there, too. I don't think they would put the Brooklyn pick, especially now that Marvin Bagley might be in this draft. But you could argue maybe the – maybe that – that L.A. Sixers pick they own, uh, that L.A. Kings pick, something like that. But like Isaiah Crowder and one of those picks for Kyrie, which will never happen in a million years, but is a trade that, you know, could could keep Cleveland at least somewhere near where they need to be. Am I am I crazy? No, no? I, th- I think I think that would make sense for for both teams, but at the same time, um, if, if I'm Cleveland, I'm still I'm still seeking out a, a, a better mix of some younger players that can help immediately as well. Um, and we, again, we all it's agree, hard to pinpoint. It's hard to pinpoint. We all agree, Minnesota. There's no way because I, I just Wiggins don't see it. Table. Well, I, if I'm Minnesota, Wiggins goes on the table for me in five seconds. I I, I don't even blink. I I think. I think you and I agree, Kevin, that Wiggins is really overrated in a lot of ways. Like he's just atrocious defensively, but I think offensively has a lot of potential and he's young and he might mature into something, you know, into something really good. But the Teague contract to me is prohibitive because they wouldn't be able to trade Teague until mid-December. And Houston would never trade Chris Paul for Kyrie, especially after they've had the press conference and started sewing the jerseys. But it would be the all-time Daryl Morey move to just flip Chris Paul for for Kyrie. You're like, all right, I'm going to step in here. I'm going to take Kyrie. Thanks, thanks. I have a much uh, a, a a point guard who's eight years younger and is is just better at this. Memphis, I think, is has to be considered at least peripherally as as a long, long, long shot possibility. Maybe not now, but maybe in February if their season is Denver heading the too. wrong direction. Yeah, Denver's Denver is the other too, one. But like they, they, they've ha- they, they had the prior relationship, you know, talk and trade with Kevin Love around the draft. So maybe that's something you can revisit. I don't think Denver has that. It's just got. I I need I need a blue chipper for Kyrie. You can't I you like can't give me have, though. W- for what I, I like their assets. 
I like Gary Harris. I, I like Juan Hernan Gomez. I'm not super high on Jamal Murray, even though a lot of people love him. Maybe Cleveland does. Who knows? But uh, I'm, I I like their assets. I love Malik Beasley. I mean, I'm not talking about these guys for Kyrie Irving necessarily, but I think right. they have a lot of, lot of good talent on their team. We're with you. But that's the poo-poo platter if you're getting Kyrie Irving. Like Jokic, yeah. I think Jokic is the only blue chipper they have. It's tough. You know, like the Knicks, mm-hmm. the Knicks uh, – I, I don't really see any way they can get Kyrie without Porzingis being involved. They can take on a bunch of money with Kyrie, but then, you know, now you're handicapping your team until he becomes a free agent. It's tough. So do we all agree Kyrie is going to stay put? Because that's, if I had to bet my life on this house, you're dangling from a helicopter as people are shooting barbecue sauce pellet guns at you and you have to decide, um, is Kyrie getting traded or not? And your life depends on it. What do you pick? First, I'm catching as many of those pellets as I can and putting them into my mouth. And then <laughs> I'm gambling on, I'm betting on, my life depends on Kyrie staying in Cleveland. I just don't think that anybody can make a sizable enough offer for it to make sense for for, for Cleveland. And also you have an organization that's kind of a mess internally and will talk themselves into Let's make this work. We'll have a we'll have a summit meeting with these guys. They'll say all the right things. That's not they, even a mistake. I think that's the right play. Well, it's a mistake if it starts coming out in November that they're quietly shopping Kyrie again. You know, if if you're in on this, you have to be all in. You almost have to promise Kyrie. You, can you put a no trade clause in a contract after the fact, Kevin? You can't. I don't right? believe so. No. Yeah. So. So it would basically be no. the Jerry Maguire with Cush's dad, uh, my word is oak. Yeah, we're not trading you, Kyrie. But then if it's February and they're, you know, 27 and 23 and LeBron, I, I do think, I do wonder if LeBron and Kyrie, this is about as public of a breach as I can remember, which leads me to question number nine. Where does this rank among the all-time NBA clusterfucks with a good team? Because... I would say that the Lakers in 03 and 04 with Kobe's trial and and, Co- and Carl Malone hitting on Kobe's wife and just all the complete chaos and then Shaq not getting paid and Shaq and Kobe just having the all-time most public breach. Um, I would say that's a 10 out of 10 on the scale. I would say this is like an 8. What would you say, House? 8 out of 10? No, I give it more more of a six. I mean, a six. I think it, everything here feels to me more kind of reactionary in the sense that that each camp is reacting to you know leaks and and gestures and intonations and insinuations that that the other camps are making. And the camps here are LeBron's camp, Kyrie's camp, and the Cavs camp. And everybody's you know doing a little lean, little body shuffle. It doesn't feel like a full out. Uh, breach. I don't think Kyrie is going to be uh, uh, ra- rapping at LeBron and asking him how his ass tastes. Yeah, that's true. House, out of those three camps, which is the one that employs a famous and successful and well-known media strategist out of those three camps? Do you know the answer? That's LeBron's camp, right? Yeah. Adam Mendelson is his actual media strategist. That's his title. So I, I would be worried if I'm Kyrie about... Uh, Going heading heading into uh, NBA internet Vietnam with uh, t- battling LeBron and his media strategist KOC. Where does this rank for you? The all-time NBA clusterfucks. P- pretty highly. I- I'd give it a seven. 
seven out of okay. ten for this. Um, I think I think if we hear a little bit more, like, look, we're only three days into this. Um, more more could leak out if Irving gets traded, right? Um, I think we could rank it a little bit higher um, if more develops over the coming weeks and months. You know, there was a thing that, and I think the guy deleted it, but I saw it on uh, on Reddit about somebody in Kyrie's camp went after LeBron pretty hard on his Instagram account. And then people connected the dots, and then it disappeared. Oh, yeah. By the way, that is Tate's favorite. Tate's corner is people in somebody's camp crossing the line on social media and then having to redact it or delete the account. It's his all-time favorite NBA beef. Tate. Yeah, Tate. That'll happen. I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to try to have a beef and have Tate defend me on his Instagram and then delete it in two hours just so he can live vicariously through the experience of it. But. Um, I do. I I think this could get worse over the week because everyone's talking about it. More importantly, there's nothing else to talk about right now. There's nothing going on. What are we talking about? The baseball trade deadline? There's nothing happening. Football's not starting yet. There's no Olympics. There's no World Cup. I mean, people were excited about the Gold Cup this weekend. I didn't, did we even know what the Gold Cup was 15 years ago? Everyone's like, oh, the Gold Cup. Unbelievable Josie Altidore goal. I was into it. There's nothing going on. So I, I just think this can... Keep going and going and going and going. Last question. Why isn't LeBron getting criticized more beyond the obvious reason of that he has a media strategist? Doesn't it feel like everybody should be kind of collectively going, wow, this guy's really screwed up the situation. He had the second best team in the league and all these assets and the uncertainty that he just seems to bring with him wherever he goes has now potentially submarine this team. Do you feel like... LeBron went from an era where he got criticized too much to I'm not sure he's getting criticized enough. What do you think on that, House? I am going to sound like I work with Adam Mendelson. Adam, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know what there is to criticize LeBron about. All he's done, he had averaged a triple-double in the finals. All he's done is deliver a finals to every franchise that he's played for the past seven years. All, I mean, all two franchises, but still. Uh, they have uh, a wonderful team around him. He's, he's um, made his you know, preferences known in terms of coaches and, and the players that, that um, he wants to play with. And they have had a lot of chances to win the NBA Finals. So I don't, you know, I don't think he's responsible for instability. He is properly leveraged um, the the um, ter- terrific uh, advantage that he has, which is, you know, the right to self determine okay, by way of on. these one year, two you. year deals. Let me and that's it. You. Let me interrupt you. Because this will hit close to home, and I really want you to under, I don't feel like you're fully understanding this part yet. So let's say Anthony Bourdain decides he wants to do a podcast. And there's rumors that The Ringer is talking to Anthony Bourdain about taking over House of Carbs from Joe House. It's, just float, it's floating in the app. People are reporting it like it's a real, like, like they would with an NBA story. And I don't do anything. I say nothing to you. I we talk about it, you bring it up, I play dumb or I pretend my phone went dead. And it's just kind of lingering for weeks and weeks as you wonder if you're going to get replaced on House of Carbs. Isn't this how Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving have felt for most of 2017 or am I crazy? Well, first of all, 
I would say bring it. Wait till you see what I have Adam Rappaport and Jacko put out on on the House of Carbs Reddit. Wait till you see those <laughs> those Reddits. <laughs> I say I say bring it on, Daddy. But but secondly, I I, I mean it, it's just a uh, a turn to Machiavellian. It's just I, I I love a conspiracy theory. You know this about me. But to to sit and say that the king is sitting up there playing Game of Thrones with the with the uh, Cavaliers is just a, a turn too much. I think he's focused mainly on making sure that he's healthy, continuing to play 110 games a season. And you know, uh, being the the multimedia mogul that he is and wants to be, and that takes up enough of his time. He doesn't need to be playing, uh, you know, basketball whisperer behind the scenes, also. Yeah, but it, but that's kind of what's going on, though. If if this was the team he wanted to roll with and the nucleus he wanted to roll with, then he would just say that publicly, and it's over. But obviously, it's not. So he is both. Um, you know, he's not stuck up for his dudes that he just won a title with a year ago. But then also, he's not really um, well, who, proactively... Who has he left out to dry? But he's why not, does he have to say anything? Why doesn't he have to say anything? Because this the whole reason this is all happening is because he hasn't said anything. Like, all he has to do is say, I'm staying in Cleveland and these are my guys. And he hasn't done it. Like, you know... I, maybe this is just the way the NBA is now. Maybe this is the decade of you just get to pick up and go every time things don't go right for you. You know, maybe that's where we are in 2017. But I don't know. Isn't part of adversity you know building true. a team? Yeah, but the Lakers lost in '84. Matt Kareem wasn't like, ah, maybe we need a new point guard. Maybe Magic needs to go. <laughs> you know, it's not, not the way it used to work. Now that now the way it works is something bad happens. Well, he, now everybody's got to leave. We vigorously defended KD's right to self-determine just a summer ago. We were having this conversation. Uh, you and I vigorously defending Kevin Durant's right to choose the team and the city and the franchise that he wanted to be with. Right. How is this any different now for LeBron? I think it's different in the sense that he's the third best player of all time and made a big fuss about I'm coming home to Cleveland and I have unfinished business and all this stuff and handpicked his team and he's the unequivocal leader. You know, I, I just think he I think well, he I has more he delivered. I think he has more equity in Cleveland. Well, I mean, let's be honest. All of this is about the fact that he's leaving in a year. And that's why Kyrie wants to get out. KOC, isn't that ultimately coming full circle? That's what this is about, is that everybody thinks LeBron is leaving, including LeBron James. And that leads to Kyrie trying to proactively control his own destiny. Yes, I think Kyrie has learned a lot from LeBron. I think in that sense that he he knows that he can control his destiny each year too. Um, I think he wants to go to a place where he has that spotlight, and he's learned that from LeBron James. And as for for you know the the point like each of you guys are making, uh, both of you guys are being fair in terms of like Le- yes, LeBron like maybe isn't getting enough criticism, but at the same time, uh, I'm with House in the fact that like he is just doing what KD did to to just a greater extreme, um, controlling his entire brand. Um, I think he his PR team is masterfully. Um, shaped really the the picture we have of LeBron James in the public sphere. So I think in that sense, 
LeBron has kind of made himself into someone who set himself up for not just being the greatest, maybe the greatest basketball player of all time, but he has big dreams after playing. And I think that's really what it's about post playing career and setting himself up for that too. LeBron, LeBron's a big thinker. Um, and I think a lot of what's happening goes beyond basketball. I think it's a fair point. KD definitely that last year left it a little bit uncertain. I think that the difference is, and maybe these Cleveland guys have learned from the KD thing and maybe they all tie together where Kyrie looks at that KD thing and says, I don't want to end up like Russell Westbrook that year after KD left. I don't want to end up on this team with a bunch of bad contracts and, you know, we're 45 wins. I don't know if I trust my owner. It's well, kind well, of a close well, I don't here. like that, though. How about take the challenge on the way that Russell Westbrook did? Russell Westbrook just won the MVP of the effing league. Yeah. Come on, house. How about step up to the plate? How about we, step up to the challenge? It's your of us, team, Kyrie. Go neither of us nuts, voted brother. For, neither of us voted for Westbrook. I uh, West. I don't know. Why am I team Kyrie on this? I, I feel like all of a sudden I'm in team Kyrie and I'm anti. I'm team anti LeBron and putting pro Kyrie. I just feel like if they really did try to trade Kyrie before the draft, which it seems like they did, I don't blame Kyrie for being like fuck you guys. Hey, how about this? Here, the, Here's my list of four teams. Trade me to one of these teams. Get me out of here. I don't blame him. I think it's legit. KOC, you're the tiebreaker. For should LeBron James get more blame? No, for me versus House right now. Because House is Team LeBron. Media strategist Adam Mendelson has obviously gotten a house. Oh, I, I'm with House. I've rebuffed I'm with House Ad- on this. For sure. All right. uh, I, I'm All with right. House. Yeah, I'm team, I, I'm team LeBron, but at the same time, I understand what Irving's doing. I understand wanting to control his brand, and that's why I, I'm Team LeBron because I get it. Um, he wants to control his brand, and Irving is capable of being much more um, off the court. Can we talk about how bad the list of Kyrie's teams were? First of all, Miami, he, he, he hated <laughs> playing with Deion Waiters. He hated it. Now he's like, you know, oh, here's one of my four teams. I want to be reunited with Deion Waiters. Minnesota, who he has no chance to actually go to because they already have their team set. The Knicks, who have been the biggest clusterfuck in the whole league for the last 20 years for any of any big-budget team. And then what was the fourth one? San Antonio, who has absolutely no way to trade for them because they don't have that. He was like, here's the Marcus Aldridge for Kyrie. Any, any interest? <laughs> what a terrible list. Come on, Kyrie. Make a better list. Put Phoenix on the list, for God's sakes. You and Devin Booker would be phenomenal. I don't know. I think Kyrie needs a media strategist. Maybe he needs us. Maybe you can bring us in. San Antonio. New York and Miami are totally defensible. The other two are not. San Antonio was odd. Um, I think a, a lot of people you know, saw that and they're like, wait a minute. Kyrie Irving wants the spotlight, yet he wants to play against Kawhi Leonard, who's maybe better better than he is. And yeah, I, not I maybe. Think, yeah, yeah, he is better. I, I think I think that's a big difference, though. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is like super quiet. I mean, what what is his brand? I mean, Irving would be the guy on that team um, in terms of I think the the off court stuff, um, everything else besides basketball, and he would still be you know really right next to Kawhi as the most important scorer on that team. Um, so I think that 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 won't happen. Um, because of obviously for the reasons you listed, Bill. But at the same time, I get it. Kyrie still wants to win. I don't think this is just about him wanting to get away and play anywhere, just to have the spotlight and get points, get buckets. But I do think um, for him, those four teams were a little weird. N- none of them really work, uh, except for the Knicks. I, I understand the Knicks because that's home. 
Well, if, if it had been the Porzingis and Kyrie, then you just figure out the rest later. That would be unbelievable. Tate, yep. I don't like the fact that I lost the Team Kyrie versus Team LeBron election, so I'm, I'm bringing in Tate. Tate, you get a vote, too. Kyrie's the fall guy. LeBron has set him up. We're Team Kyrie. LeBron, yeah. LeBron can't dictate everything, all right? It's not his league. It's the NBA. It's everyone's league. Give Kyrie a chance. Yeah, Kyrie got set up by LeBron. I like it. I should have thought of that earlier. This is a setup. This is like a like the Godfather too. <laughs> That's what's going on here. You try to set him up. Um, all right, we're done. KOC, you have two. You wrote a piece on Saturday, and you have another piece on Monday. House, your Shack House Golf Podcast is up, and you have another House of Carbs coming with the best pizza chef in the world, Chris Bianco, and the best copy editor in the world, copy chief in the world, Chris uh, Craig Gaines. So that's happening. Uh, thanks again to Proper Cloth. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier. Create a custom shirt size in seconds by answering 10 simple questions. Custom choose from over 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 different fabrics from classic to business. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Thanks again to Adam Mendelson, the official media strategist of Joe House. Uh, you can yes, thank you, Adam. Go to adammendelson.com slash house for 10% off your media strategy from Adam Mendelson. Thanks to Simply Safe, getting a good night's sleep easier said than done, especially when you think you're a noise downstairs. Install Simply Safe's home security system. Arm your home with powerful sensors that actually tell you if a door opens or if a window breaks. Please don't spend another night second guessing your home safety. Go to simplysafebs.com. Get a special 10% discount when you order today. That is Simply Safe. With two eyes. And again, the Talk the Throne show is on our Twitter feed at Ringer. Thank you guys. That was fun. I think we pulled it off. The three Good men. Good times. Yeah, I don't like I don't like that you guys that's teamed fun. up, but that's fine. That's fine. I'll get my revenge at some point. I'm like LeBron. I'm just biding my time until I said both of you. I'm relieved that I could finally <laughs> forgive you guys for all the bad things you said about John Wall and the Wizards. Oh, okay. we forgot to congratulate I'm glad we're House. All friends again. You get you signed you signed John Wall to the Supermax. I was so worried he wasn't taking the Supermax. Why do you think he changed his mind? Yeah, you, you dirty sons of bitches. We're not talking about it, but thank you. <laughs> all right, congratulations. Bye, Kevin. Bye, Joe. See you. See you, boys.